Welcome to Allworth's State of the Industry podcast. I'm Scott Hansen, and it is September of 2020, kind of uh, six months uh, into the COVID uh, pandemic we've been all living through. And uh, I'm glad you are with us on this podcast today because we're going to talk really about what it means to sell and stay. Right. So if we if we look at the demographics of the advisory industry right now, that the average advisors is, is somewhere mid 50s. That's how old the average advisor is. The average age of an owner of an advisory firm is somewhere in the mid 60s. So we're all kind of getting older. And for most of us, we're, we're at a point where looking at what's the future of our, uh, our, our practice? What's that going to look like? What's our, our firm going to look like going forward? Do we make a transition? Do we wait and do it sometime in the future? And I was just reviewing some uh, information that uh, DeVoe and company had put out. They did some research. It was almost a year ago, interviewed uh, just shy of a couple hundred advisors. And these were advisory firms with firms from 100 million to f- over 5 billion. So uh, somewhat on the larger side of things. And the, the questions here like, are you open to a discussion to sell an external stake uh, in your company? And uh, roughly half said yes and half said no. But then they said, well, how'd you feel about this two years ago? And two years ago, only a third said they'd be open to some sort of uh, sale on that. So uh, clearly things people are looking at a, a little bit more. And uh, if they're asking also these, these, these folks, if, if you were to sell a stake of your firm to an external party, would it be for scale or succession or both? And 21% for, said for scale to help them grow. 20% said for succession to kind of figure out the longer-term strategy of the firm. 51% said both sale and su- succession, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. So we've got a great uh, guest today, uh, Hugh Phillips. And Hugh Phillips is a, a gentleman I've known for 30 years. We can talk a little more about that as we get into it. But Hugh joined Allworth Financial in February of 2019 when he decided to essentially merge his firm into Allworth and become part of the Allworth team. And uh, Hugh, thanks for taking a little time today to join us on uh, our State of the Industry. Yeah, my pleasure, Scott. Yeah, glad I could help and uh, be part of this. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you as well. And and Hugh's firm was about uh, about two hundred and forty million under management or so when uh, he joined forces with us. And what was your staff like at that time, Hugh? Uh, well, we've been struggling with a bit of turnover, but we had a um, general manager and then um, really one full time office assistant, and then we'd had some turnover for the second one for a couple of years in a row, and that was obviously. A bit of a frustration. And you had an advisor too, right? And another advisor, yeah. Somebody who'd been with me for um, a good 15 years and uh, was getting up to me near the age of 40 and was starting to ask some questions as he naturally should have. And so, Hugh, let, let's, let's get a little, I'd really like to be, have you be as open and transparent as, as possible. Because, you know, it's funny. It's like when we, when we bring on a, a client, Anytime you're interviewing a client, you're always thinking about, is this the kind of person I could work with over the next number of years, right? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> if oh, someone's yeah. a jerk at the start or you feel they're not going to take your advice or leadership, you're like, what's the point? Like, I don't want to bring right. this client right. on. It's just not going to work. Um, yeah, whoever said you had to be the captain of the sinking ship, I don't think that ever was a <laughs> requirement of being an advisor. <laughs> We've all had those experiences. <laughs> We've all had those experiences. I'll never forget years ago, a client told me, he says, you're a financial advisor, not a financial dictator. 
That's what he said to me. And I'm thinking, okay, well, it looks like our relationship's done. I'm like, what? I mean, what's the point? I mean, you don't yeah. want to take my yeah, advice. Like- I mean, I don't need the money that badly, right? Well, you know, at some point, he's going to try and grab the steering wheel, and it's usually at the exact wrong time. Of course. That's what you exactly, yeah. yeah. So, But, it, I mean, it's the same kind of thing we look at it when with having firms join us. It's like, uh, it's got to be the right fit for the long term, right? And, exactly. um and we've known each other. How, how old are you today, Hugh? I'm uh, 57. Just turned 57. Happy birthday, then. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so Hugh and I first met in June of 1990, 30 years ago, at the Lincoln National Life Insurance Company. And you started there, I think, right out of college, did you not? Maybe a year before right. I... 1988. Yeah, okay. 1988. <laughs> and I'd had a whopping two years of uh, inexperience, I was to call that. Yeah. And but- then... Along comes Scott. <laughs> yeah, and so when I was hired, I think they hired like uh, 15 new college grads or something in the, the office in the Bay Area that we worked out of, and he was assigned yeah. as my field training supervisor. Hmm. Now, if you kind of do like a, um, uh, a graph of uh, heights of individuals, <laughs> like a bell curve, <laughs> go way on the one side is me on the short side, being 5'6", and way on the other side is Hugh. How tall are you, Hugh? Six four. Six four. And a a, a full frame six four, right? So, yeah. and, and yeah. so, we, so that, we, I would joke that, that be disarming. I, I would bring in the closer because I'm this little tiny guy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, but um yeah, we we had uh I, I had left Lincoln in about nineteen ninety three to kind of branch out on my own. And Hugh, when did you leave to start your own firm? Nineteen ninety five. Okay. When I went um independent broker dealer. So a couple of years thereafter. And you spent most of your, uh, you were kind of a hybrid over those years, right? Where you, you use the advisory hybrid service. Broker dealer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty common. I think when you look at, uh, there's a, there's a lot of pretty good sized firms that are within independent broker dealers mm-hmm. like you were. Right? Yep. Um, yeah. It's a transitioning point and you learn how to be independent because how, you know, how do you learn? You just do. <laughs> you make it up as you go, right? Make it up as you go, exactly. <laughs> or copy somebody else, or, or both, which is usually yeah, how we grow. Exactly. So you were independent for a number of years, had uh, brought on an, another mm-hmm. advisor 15 years ago who was um, 15 years ju- junior to you. And w- at what point did you kind of start thinking about what you wanted with the future of your, your business and... Well, fortunately, uh, the associate advisor got me thinking about it because I knew I was going to have to make a plan to secure his future. And that had started, oh, about two years before I was approached with the idea of um, merging with um, Allworth. And uh, just something I had to do with. And, you know, you go through different solutions and talk to different industry experts and, you know, you have to do something, but it just never seemed like the right fit. So. I was naturally dragging my heels because there was no pending reason to do it. But as he should, the associate advisor was getting more and more um, vocal about it, and as, as as he rightfully should have. Yeah. So you hired him when he was relatively green because he must have been uh, what twenty yeah. five. Oh, yeah, or first job. Yeah, he was like twenty three, twenty five, whatever he was. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just like I was when I was trying to tell you, you know, how to do things. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, massive inexperience. <laughs> so this is so he, you you brought him on right out of school to help you with uh, I would assume to service your existing clients. Was that what it was originally? Correct. 
Correct. And I, you'll, I know you'll get in it, but we also were working with a target market that had obviously multiplied our marketing efforts. Yeah. So, because Hugh and I also had been working together over the years, um, uh, as I'd working with the retirees of a telecommunications company, and he was part of our retirement network for a number of years. Um, mm-hmm. And so, used some of our marketing strategies and whatnot. But with this other advisor who joined you, was did he did he grow into a full fledged advisor where he was bringing on his own clients? Oh yeah, oh yeah, very much so. Working within the target market, bringing on his own clients, and once he. I think the big difference is once he knew that this was his career path and that this is what he's going to do, once he passed the CFP, then obviously he was maturing right into the role as well as anybody could have hoped. I mean, just really, really, like you mentioned in the beginning, it was just turned out to be a great fit and it was getting better all the time. And so this is pretty common, uh, Hugh, when you look at other, you know, you're probably about the average age of an advisor in uh, today, and you brought yeah. on a, a, um, a younger person to help f- help with both fulfilling on your clients and also help growing the firm. And was there any discussion at that time of you uh, uh, just selling the firm to him over a period of years? Um, yeah, yeah, we were working with FP Transitions, hatching the idea of how do we slowly transition equity and yet still get what we both want and how do you do that? And again, it just, it just wasn't really adding up to me. It just wasn't making a lot of sense, but we knew we had to do something. And what that something was, I had no clear idea. What were the biggest roadblocks? Um, you know, really when you do that, you're basically paying to give away part of your company, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you know, you're uh, slowly sending equity and it's coming out of your side so that he can have ownership. Um, and I think it would have transitioned at a nice pace. Um, but how active did I want to be? You know, and of course, you also had the growing issue with, um, I think my biggest thing was when that fiduciary rule came in and the broker dealers were totally confused by it and what it meant. And it was such a convoluted, confusing time. And I was right in the midst of trying to deal with what's the best way to transition some equity so that, you know, he can get what he was rightfully um, wanting out of everything. And, you know, I don't, I think it was absolutely the right timing. How far did you guys get down the path on that? Did you guys have some? Oh, just talk with FP Transitions, you know, sign an agreement to start working on it. And we just hadn't gotten very far. And then that's when you made contact with me about this wild idea of which I'd never ever contemplated of merging. I just had never, it never hadn't dawned on me. <laughs> it was nothing I'd even even thought of. And so you started hatching the idea with me, which then I started to realize that the shadow, my sorry, my associate advisor probably recognized it quicker than I did of the um, opportunity, how that can help us with our uh, transitioning to practice. And what were your, uh, what were your original thoughts on the positive and the, ne- and the negative of that? Okay, well, the positive, obviously, is a, a plan with uh, folks that have grown to really trust and love over the last, you know, 20 years of working together, um, you know, in a joint venture. Uh, so that was obviously always the big thing, um, knowing how things were done, knowing how it was always the right way, um, just having that insight. From the beginning, that was there. And so that was obviously the thing that said, okay, you really got to look at this. You got to be open-minded and you got to see if this is an opportunity to handle some of these issues. And then what was your, what were your main concerns? Uh, well, 
being in charge, um, having all the final decisions. Um, was I going to come and be just a rank and file rep, you know, with, um, you know, mandatory hours and production goals and remember the old sales builders type process? <laughs> yes, I <laughs> I'm thinking, am I going to be walking to that where Monday morning it's a where's your party report for the day? week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's your how many opens and closes and you know how much of that how much of that are you giving up and where are you headed with that? Um, I know you never had a taste for it, and I know other people in the firm never did. So it wasn't something that was going to be. Um, I think detrimental, but it obviously is a huge concern. Um, you know, what are you giving up as your independence? Uh, what are you giving up as your ability to make change? What are you giving up as your ability to control how you spend your time? And what, so you were at a point also when you, uh, having some personal freedoms in life were important, right? And you were doing traveling quite a bit. Why don't you talk a bit about that? Well, my dad died at age 55. And there's, a really weird thing that happens when you get the age that your dad passed away. It just, you really start thinking about things differently. And it was like, wow, you know, how much, what's my longevity? You know, am I going to be coming into health problems? Uh, trying to keep all these things going. Cause once you get to a certain size, it's going to take an enormous capital investment and an enormous amount of innovation to take it to the next level. And you can stay in place. You can stay, where you are, but there's a certain scale, right? There's only a certain size you can really get to reasonably and have things in a comfortable size. And it was just, we're to the point where it's going to have to be really that next step if we wanted to grow. And either you're growing or you're dying. There really isn't much in between. And so you, you had had, as far as um, some kind of personal time, um, you were traveling quite a bit and taking time mm -hmm. off and, yeah, always working while I was doing it. Uh, technology is obviously very crude to what we see today. But, um, you know, it just, I think it could have also, with the associate advisor, uh, seeing that and then more and more being shifted to him. And it was just happening. And I can understand where he felt like uh, he needed to have some ownership interest in the firm. And I, I would be feeling the exact same way if I'd been in his position. Yeah, and so when we had we had uh, many d different conversations prior to you um, uh, agreeing to be part of Allworth, um, and you know, now that it's been almost two years, it feels like it's been longer than that, but it's not quite two, not quite two yeah, years. February, February two thousand nineteen. What's got what's gone well? I'm kind of curious. What's gone well for you personally, and what uh, really hasn't gone so well? And also with your advisor and other staff. All right. All right. So the first thing was I made it clear to my advice, my associate advisor that it was going to be a decision that both of us were making. I was not going to do it without him. And so it was up to both of us to be on the same page. I made that clear from the beginning. If there's something he didn't want to do, we weren't going to do it. So I wanted him to feel like he was part of the decision and that therefore there's no looking back. Once we do it, it was a mutual decision and we you know, have to be adults and this is what we're going to do. Um, so that went really well. I think that was a great approach because he felt like he was part of the decision and he clearly was, it would have been, it was a mutual decision as to how we do this. Um, I think the biggest thing over the last, that first year was decompressing. I mean, I didn't realize how worked up, how minute details and how involved I had to be in every process of the business 
now a lot of that you can just let go. I mean, you know, constantly concerned about what your clients are hearing from service advisors and you, are, you tend to hear the negative and then that's what you focus on. And then the, the staff knows that's the only reason you ever talk to them is because there's something negative going on. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you become this ogre and, you know, and the pressure of trying to keep the asset size up. Um, I mean, how many of these things can you handle? And really, when you look back at it after a year of decompressing, exactly how free was I? <laughs> right? right. I mean, between uh, uh, compliance, between um, trying to keep the business not, I can't say we were doing a good job of growing it, but just trying to keep it going, um, dealing with uh, uh, staff issues, dealing with um, landlord issues, dealing with payroll issues, dealing with human resource issues. I mean, he goes on and on and on. You realize a year later that you exactly weren't as free as you thought you were. How hard were those to give up? Because, I mean, you've been doing that for so many years. And then suddenly, <laughs> like, I mean, delegating is not easy, right? Because you, you, to- right. you toss the ball to someone, you want to make sure that they're going to carry it and catch it and not <laughs> fumble. Yeah. Well, to be fair, that was my huge advantage. I didn't have to lose a night's worth of sleep as to whether Allworth did it better than I did. I didn't have to lose a night of sleep worrying if Allworth had systems in place. I didn't worry if Allworth had assistance for, you know, creating a team environment for customer service to feel like they're part of a bigger, a bigger group. Uh, none of that was a, a concern at all because I'd have obviously had a chance to get to know Allworth over 20 years and how things are done. We were always on the same page. So that was, uh, again, not a night of sleep. It was just that, you know, the clients, whatever the clients were seeing, I mean, we had to change firm names, had to change custodians, you know. Yeah, how'd the clients deal became, with all that? You know, it was surprisingly seamless. Um, I knew with the new custodian, they were going to be in a much better place than the previous custodian. So I think that really came through our efforts. I knew I was putting the clients in a much better place with a much better custodian that just does a much better job communicating and working with both the client and the uh, reps. And I suppose also you, you can feel confident you're in a position that if something did happen to you health-wise, right? You'd mentioned your father passing at 55. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your clients yeah, are big. that comforting. Yeah, now you know, hey, if something happens or there's a plan in place, that something happens, that this could be continued seamlessly, uh, you know, without my involvement, even if it was just some temporary situation. Um, you just know that it can continue. You don't have to worry about what would happen if, what would happen if. There's a plan in place. So, as we know, having a plan is always better than not having a plan. It's interesting. I, I think people on the uh, in other industries might not realize just how personal our businesses are with our clients. And I was thinking right. back to. Uh, a, a client of mine, they'd been clients since 1991, right? So long time. And they came in, maybe it's four or five years ago, and he didn't look very well. And I said, well, Bill, you're not looking, I mean, the first thing I said is, oh, you're not looking so good. Is everything okay? And he says, I've got, uh, he says, no, I've got stage four lung cancer. And he was a super active guy, a huge cyclist, um, n- never smoked, just kind of one of these weird things. And um, so he came in and want to kind of help prepare for the latter part. And his, he was with his wife and, uh, they had already lost a daughter. They had two kids, but they had lost one of their daughters. And so, um, and, and I think the other, there was a son-in-law that maybe they didn't have that great a relationship with. So he's clearly worried about his wife, Jill. And I'm making up these names because to protect, but um, 
I, I remember telling him, I, I looked him dead in the eyes and I said, I will promise you, we will take care of Jill. You never have to worry about her. We've got her back. We're going to protect her and her finances and make sure that um, she's well taken care of till her last, uh, her last day. And he, I remember him just looking at me and the comfort it gave him, knowing that his wife of 40 whatever years, he didn't have to worry about her going forward. And right, we've all made those commitments as financial advisors. And, and I, that's the thing. I mean, it's those, it's those sort of things that I too think about. It's like, I want to make sure that we've got an organization that I can fulfill on my promises to my clients, whether, I, yeah. whether I'm around or not around. Yeah. What could be a higher calling? I mean, what could be more important in that moment than for him to hear that from you? You know? Yeah. Absolutely By the way, Hugh, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not home. If it's right, no, no. I've turned up plugging the phone. <laughs> of course, you're going to ring it the wrong time. Uh, <laughs> oh, good and I, so, I, I mean, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that you, you, you had that same kind of relief when you knew clients were part of a larger team. And... Oh, exactly. Exactly. You know that no matter what happens, those deserving clients that have placed their trust and, and their confidence with you are going to continue to be served no matter what happens um, to the people that they initially know. Now it's part of a, a bigger, greater group of people that all have that same goal. And that is so important. I mean, what can be more important than you being able to say that at the exact moment? You know, not going to conversation about standard deviation, right? I mean, just <laughs> that, was the, that was the conversation. That's why we do what we do. And, you know, I guess that's the point of all this is, you know, if you really love what you do, and this is truly your art, this is your passion, then, you know, what's going to allow you to do it best? You know, you get to a certain point with what we do, and it becomes bigger than you. It's more important to you. It's about, you know, exactly how you're going to help people for no other reason than you love doing what you're doing. And so what's your, how does your, your typical day or typical week or typical month maybe uh, what's that like today versus, say, three years ago? Organized. I would say it's organized primarily. Um, it's comforting to know that anybody can call and it gets handled through a system. Uh, we have a set plan in place for marketing time. We have a set plan in place for working with current clients. We have a set plan for operational leadership. Again, all that has been sorted out and it's a lot more of an organized calendar rather than just reacting to wherever, whatever way the wind's taking you. And I like that personally. I like that. It's just, to me, I can look at a, at a Monday and really know what to expect during the week and how it's going to be set up and what every day I have to prepare for. And do you still just reacting? Do you still feel like you have control over your schedule? Oh, clearly, definitely. If I want to, take some time off or if I have a personal issue. Um, but because it's organized, right, now I feel more free, I guess. It's kind of the way to say it. Because it's or, it's an organized and I'm just not reacting to whatever's happened at that second. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things, all worth, we, from, from, for years, we've always wanted to make sure we've, our advisors worked in teams so that uh, a client, and you, you mentioned the, something 
we, clients aren't just thrown into some call center, right? They've got a very small team they work with, but we've always wanted it to right. be such that if, if the primary advisor's on vacation or out of the country or whatever, there's a backup advisor that can take care of whatever the issue is so that the advisor doesn't even need to get involved at all, right? Um, right. You right. Know, we've and got that one. Comes with a, that comes with a customer service staff that you're not asking to do all these things that they may not be geared to do, like the awful thing we had in our customer service first was expecting to have marketing functions in addition to customer service functions. And she hated, I know she hated it, but that marketing thing was always not her thing. And yet we were always asking her to do it. And uh, that's one of the challenges with a small organization, right? We all wear lots of different hats. Right, right, right. And so it become this person who's fantastic and clients just love her. You know, I think it changed where it was. I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be doing what she likes to do. She may have found another place to find what she likes to do. There was a lot of it I was asked her to do that she didn't like. I knew it. And, you know, she didn't have an alternative. So, again, that also reflects on your staff, associate advisors, and you. How how many things are you doing that you don't like? And what allows you to be exactly what you're good at? Um, Nick Murray calls it practicing your art. What gives you that ability to do your art, whatever it is that you do well? Mm. And what's the what's the journey been like for your associate advisor? Because I think it sounds like he was hired as a young person, right? Trained up. Mm-hmm. He he probably had some vision of taking over the business one day, my guess is, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, and yep. and you, it's not the path that he probably was he and his wife probably dreamed about five years ago, right? Uh, right. So how's that going for him? Well, I was always pretty clear that I'm going to be doing this, you know, at least for another decade or two. So he knew it was going to be a long transition. He just wanted to know that something was happening. Didn't have to be perfect, you know, didn't have to be the exact right answer, but just the fact that there was some movement in that direction. And so this satisfied and checked off all the boxes that he wanted. Clear plan, great firm, ability to at least have a plan if something was to happen um, and, uh, um, and be able to start doing his own thing and developing his own clients and being responsible for his clientele um, entirely. You know, he gets to be his own person. You feel like he, he, he has a sense of more autonomy today than he did before? Oh, clearly. Oh, Mark, I just talked to him a couple of days ago and we just we reflected back and it, it, again, it unanimously between the two, this is the right decision that we're so glad we took advantage of the opportunity and um, that he was very appreciative that it was a, um, a team effort that we both went at it together and that he was able to be part of that decision-making process. So again, it gives him that footing that he really, really wanted. And now he has a clear direction and working with a great group of people. He's, he's very much a team person like I am. And so this isolated on your own thing, uh, it just it didn't work for him any better than it worked for me. I mean, I was able to do it, but never was a great deal of satisfaction from it. What what really gets you um, excited over the next five years? You know, it's interesting as you go through life. I'm 50. I'll be 54 here in another week or two. And right. when you're young, you've got all these goals, right? <laughs> you know, right. first get through high school, then college, and then all these kind of goals in life. And then as you get further down, uh, it sometimes it's a little more kind of challenging. I think even with personal goals. But um, what what gets you excited 
if looking at your future and um, what what keeps you motivated to want to continue serving as an advisor? I can make such a difference in and help people with so many misconceptions that are out there. Um, the ability to be that one person that I can set them on a certain path, and by working with me, they're going to achieve results that very few people can achieve on their own. I mean, truly the value of an advisor. And the, 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 the one more person that I can do that with versus a distraction or something that would have been involved in operating the business, then I'm a better person for it, and they're better off because of it. I mean, that's, I mean, I've said this a long time. I do what I do for no other reason. I love doing it. It's, it's, it's not about compensation work. It's about making that material difference in somebody's life. And I told you a story, you know, I saw my, I lived my grandparents during um, those, uh, those times in the eighties when cost of living was going up and just seeing them slowly run out of money and basically wind up at the poverty level. And boy, if I you know had any understanding of what I understand now, it could have made such a difference. So I can't help them, but I can certainly help that next person that I want to see avoid um, that direction. You know, if I can just alter somebody's life and make a difference that they can have their financial independence and their financial freedom, and it can be uh, generation evolving type wealth that can can really make a difference. That, that, that's why I'm here. Mm. It's. I think the, the those that are the most successful in this space uh, do do it because it's not really about the money. It's about yeah helping them change people's lives. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, the, the money takes care of itself. This is about you know who are you? What is your you know, what is your thing? What is the thing you can make the most difference doing? And it's not everybody. It's uh, it's a high calling. Yeah. Well, Hugh, I so much appreciate you taking some time to be with me today. And it's really great having you as a partner. We've known each other a long time. And um, yeah. it's it's fun working a little more closely with you now than over the years. Yeah. Past, but. But thanks for asking. I mean, I, I'd probably be in the same place with the same frustrations. And because you asked and we worked it out, I'm able to be part of something great. And that um, I don't know if I could ask for anymore. Well, what I think is fun, Hugh, is we're still in the very early stages here of creating a national firm. And we talk about this internally, but it's really about we, we want to serve that middle class millionaire. A millionaire doesn't mean much anymore, right? So it's right, right. <laughs> a million bucks of retirement's not going very far. But, but, but the challenge is, though, in, in, Hugh, it's like it, it, the majority of retirees, for the majority of retirees, the majority of their income is Social Security. Wow. Right, and it's well, always a, it's always a sobering thing, and unfortunately, there's not a lot we can do to help those folks at this stage. But right. for that, those those people, those professionals, those hard workers that have saved well and have taken responsibility for their futures, um, they're the I think some of the most fun to work with at at as they're marching into retirement. Um, there's, Correct. there's a lot of them. I mean, there, it was roughly 11,000 people hitting 65 every day and roughly 20% of those probably fit in the demographic of those that we can serve. And, um, you know, I, we're in the, we're in this process of creating a national firm so that if, if someone's got a, a, a relative in Sarasota, Florida, for example, and they say, hey, what firm should I use? Cause I'm going to be retiring. Um, they, they could say, without a doubt, use Allworth Financial because we're going to have a very consistent process, whether she's in Sarasota or Sacramento or Cincinnati or or Santa Rosa. It doesn't really matter, right? Love that idea. Just love that idea that they, 
They know that they're going to get somebody that they can count on who has great integrity and somebody who all the, the primary interest is, you know, what's the best way for you to get through these next two or three decades of potential retirement. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Hugh, for being, uh, being with us today and for being part of Allworth. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah, have a fantastic day. And it's interesting as, um, I think about things. Hugh talked about a couple of things about one, having more control of his, of his, of his time, right? Being part of a thing, uh, talked about being clear of his purpose, serving clients. And there's a, a, a grid that I try to go through in my own life when I'm making decisions, both personally and at work. And it's about increasing freedoms. And it's actually, I, I learned this, um, I was introduced to this through the strategic coach that I've been part of off and on over the years. Um, and it's really these these four freedoms. Freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of people, and freedom of purpose. Right? So it's time, money, people, and purpose. And I try to look at, whenever I'm making a decision, how do I balance these together? Because um, there's oftentimes a trade-off with certain things. And... Uh, you know, with with time, I, I want to be able to be in a position where I can, I can control my time and where I can have time for doing things that are maybe outside of work, that sort of thing. I want to have uh, freedom with money. I don't want money to be a, a, a limiting factor in things that are of true value to me in my life. And when I say value, I don't mean like material stuff. I mean like being able to spend time with people I care about, family and friends. Um, freedom of people. This is being in a position to, I get to choose who I spend my time with, choose who I work with. And it's funny, as the older I get, this becomes more important. I, life's too short. I'm not going to spend my, my time working with jerks because <laughs> uh, I want to work with people that, um, I, frankly, I want to work with people that not only enjoy that, but, but also help me become a better person. And then freedom of purpose. It's this, like, what am I, what am I really here for? And and what the interesting thing we've had, so Hugh was one of our one of our early uh, transactions we did with with Allworth. We've done uh, as of the, the recording of this uh, 10, 10 transactions, and um, whether it's Hugh or some of the the other latter ones, it's like I think a lot of us as we're getting further in life, that kind of purpose is it becomes a bigger thing, uh, and it's like. We know that two-thirds of baby boomers don't want to fully retire. They want to continue with some sort of work. And I think the same is true really in our industry. And I think when, when people hear things about succession planning and and about selling, they, they think about it's you know, hanging up your your spurs and, and being sent out to pasture. And really that's not what it's about. Uh, at least for us at Allworth, we're on this, we're on this, this path to create a national firm uh, with a very consistent process with people like you that truly care, that are doing this because they they really want to make a difference in people's lives and want to be part of a bigger team, having a bigger impact. And that's very, it's very purposeful, I think, for, for many people. So anyway, that's just a, a framework that I tend to, to look at things through when I'm making a particularly a larger decision. And I appreciate you taking some time to hear, hear our story and hear Hugh's story. And I hope you found it uh, somewhat uh, informative. And if you'd like to learn more about Allworth, we've got a great website, allworthpartners.com. And if you'd like to learn more about um, what it might look like uh, if you were to consider something like what, what Hugh has gone through and become a partner with Allworth, um, just send us a note at allworthpartners.com and we'd love to, love to connect with you. So again, thanks for being with us. This has been Allworth's State of the Industry Podcast, and I'm Scott Hansen. This podcast has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm with the Securities and Exchange Commission.